Hi, everyone, and welcome to First Aid Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration. We call ourselves IPA for short. My name is Troy Mix. I'm Associate Director at IPA and your host for this episode. Today's episode features a conversation with Dr. Amanda Ballou. She's an Associate Professor of Management and Global Leadership at the University of Delaware's Alfred Lerner College of Business and Economics. Dr. Ballou is also the co-founder and research director of the Women's Leadership Initiative, which works with students, faculty, alumni, and the executive community to create conditions for people to become gender savvy, enabling women to have more confidence and competence in achieving their goals, and men to have greater understanding of how and why to support women. Dr. Ballou's scholarship on leadership and entrepreneurship is widely published, and she was guest editor of a fall 2020 special issue of Small Business Economics focused on women's entrepreneurship. Amanda and I spoke on June 3, 2021. We covered challenges and opportunities for women in entrepreneurship, the disparate impacts of the pandemic on women in the workforce, and thoughts on research and education needed to advance women's entrepreneurship in the future. Let's get to the conversation. So Mandy, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking time. I'm thrilled you're interested, Troy. Thank you for inviting. So kind of jumping right in, how would you react or what would you say to people who kind of might respond to the notion of women's entrepreneurship with, isn't entrepreneurship just entrepreneurship? And what is it about women in this space that's worthy of particular attention? Yeah, I mean, from a fundamental perspective, entrepreneurship is entrepreneurship. And some of the things we talk about for women in terms of training and so on isn't really different from what you would teach anybody. But the reason it's a an important topic is by and large around the world, women still start fewer businesses and grow smaller businesses than men do. And so entrepreneurship is entrepreneurship, but it doesn't manifest the same way for women necessarily as it does for men. And so you said they tend to start fewer businesses and they're engaged in it to a lesser degree, but are there special contributions that women make kind of internationally or at the U.S. context with entrepreneurship in mind? Yeah. So as I'm answering some of these questions, I hope it's okay or forgive me. I'm going to sort of dance between the entrepreneurship leadership space because it's relevant. A lot of the work that I do in women's entrepreneurship is a lot of leadership development. I see women business owners as leaders, inventors, creators, you know, job creators and so on. So what contributions? Yeah. When women are involved in creation and decision-making, there's a diversity of perspective that doesn't tend to come without men in the room or in the mix involved, you know, when women aren't involved. And one of, I, I always, I don't know why, one of my favorite examples is this old thing that I learned years ago, this little anecdote, you know, a woman comes into a meeting and she can't figure out where to put her purse. She put it on the chair next to her. Does she put it on the table? Does she put it on the floor? I, I tend to put it on the floor. And I've been in other countries where people have then said, don't do that. It's bad luck. You know, it signifies sort of like money falling out, you know, or losing it. And I don't know where to put. So she came up with the idea of putting a hook on the table for women in the meeting. You know, something like that, that men wouldn't have thought of because they don't have this issue of 
where to put their purse, right? And it's just a little anecdote, but there's other things like apart from business and inventions, women tend to think about things with a different lens, like safety apparatuses on school buses or where the lumbar support should be in a truck or an SUV, you know? We had one a few years ago that I felt every time I got in, it was built for a man because the lumbar was in the middle of my back, you know? Um, think you know things that women think of that inherently a man wouldn't uh, how to better market a product to a diverse target market and these are not new things I mean the idea of having diversity in the room is for all of these benefits and when you have a homogenous group at the table in the virtual table those things can get missed and so those are contributions and not just women but all diverse groups have and so, you know, with that notion of all these insights that women can bring to the table from a leadership, entrepreneurship perspective, it's not just like that they're missing insights, that there's inherent ambition that's missing, but that there's real challenges they face internationally in the U.S. Could you, could you talk us through some of the big picture challenges you see in your research and, you know, looking at practice? I won't provide everything in my answer, but I'll provide a couple of key things that I see. Women still have quite gendered role expectations, as do men. I mean, things that are acceptable for one gender and expected of one or the other are still part of our societal fabric everywhere. And women, therefore, tend to be responsible for a lot of things that are not related to business, like family the kids' school and doctor's appointments and groceries and cooking and just daily household and family management responsibilities tend to still fall on women, even in fairly egalitarian families, you know, um, where men do more of sort of the quote unquote women's stuff. But women still tend to do more of those things on average. So because our lives are quite gendered, and we have gendered role expectations, business is not as much a priority for women as it always has been more for men. So that's one thing, sort of the, the role expectations. But I wanna add, it's more than just that, of course. There are two other things, and again, there are many, but that I find to be paramount in this space. And the first is that because women start fewer businesses and grow smaller businesses, there are not as many role models and examples as there are for men, which then would make entrepreneurship more commonplace as a career choice for women than it has been. So it's just sort of a, a cycle of what women tend to just grow up thinking they will be doing with their lives professionally or from an income perspective. And there are inherent and structural biases in the system that make it harder for women to grow businesses. Overwhelmingly, men take out more and larger loans and venture capital and investment favors men, even subconsciously and unintentionally. And the research keeps bearing this out. So, you know, entrepreneurship is entrepreneurship, but it doesn't manifest itself in the same ways for women for a long, long time, as it does for men. 
In terms of that role model piece, I mean, what's the difference in your mind between men being allies for women being more engaged in entrepreneurship and business and having those uh, women role models that people can see like, oh, that's what I, you know, that's, I can see myself in that role because that person is like me. Uh, what's mm-hmm. the difference in terms of those roles that you know men can play versus having those role models out there can play for people? Good question. Um, so men as allies and the difference between having more women to model after, uh, the, both are critical. But I think, and it's not just entrepreneurship, it's walking into a classroom and seeing three women out of 30, you know, it's, it's sort of a, and it's not something that, a, you know, a, a girl walks into that classroom and thinks, oh, I don't belong here. I mean, it's not this sort of obvious cognitive response. It's much more subtle, but it's sort of a comfort. It's building friendships. You know, it's relating to people who tend to, by nature, default to each other. And it is alienating for a lot of ways for any minority group in any setting like that to not see themselves in the mix there, you know? And so role modeling is also sort of, I mean, in entrepreneurship research, we ask questions like, did your parents start businesses? And if so, who was it? And it tends to be my dad founded a business or they did it together, but people look to the man. And so if that's sort of in your psyche throughout your life, it has profound cognitive implications for where people see themselves. So part of it is men being allies and noticing these things and and stepping in when they happen and being intentional with planning and decision-making and so on. And, you know, the more women who are at the decision-making table, it's not just role modeling. Having women in the room, you know, on boards, for example, is a big deal for how businesses make decisions, do their planning, market their products, recruit and promote talent. And I mean, I'm talking broadly here, a woman in a room isn't necessarily going to change anything, right? That woman is her own person and she may not be thinking about these things. In fact, some will say, well, I don't think it's a problem or it wasn't a problem for me. So why, you know, So it's not just putting somebody there in a role, you know, it's structurally kind of changing the numbers so that these things become easier for younger generations and start to change. If none of these things happen, the numbers bear out. It will not change. You know, there's something like 107 years or maybe that was cut down by a couple of years to reach gender parity globally. I mean, these things are not going to happen if we don't have these conversations. I want to pick up on, you know, one of the key challenges you mentioned, which was the notion of gendered role expectations and looking at the pandemic, which, uh, you know, I guess is still going on and has clearly been a disruptive situation for, for families, for workers. And as you said, a lot of women are in positions where kind of the caregiver role is an expectation, even in egalitarian societies and households, it's kind of just an expectation and a role that women tend to play more often. I guess when you look at the impacts on women in the workforce and women in entrepreneurship and kind of some of the disparate impacts that have been talked about in popular press and maybe research too, did that play out as you might expect? Were there big surprises in terms of how it hit women 
in the business world versus uh, men in the workforce? This is a really interesting question. And if I think about it, no, not terribly surprised that women were hit harder. Although the pandemic and the closures to businesses hit everyone really, really hard and had a huge ripple effect just across the board. And depending on the industry you worked in, you know, you were hit harder because of how business and commerce works. But there are a couple of things that made it harder on women. One of them is that men out earn women in both male dominated and female dominated professions. And it's pervasive. So there was already an inequity in income and income earning. For example, construction workers are paid better than preschool teachers. The level of education requirements aren't terribly different for both of those job fields. You know, you don't need a college degree necessarily for either one. If we go based on pay, we therefore value construction more than childcare? No, but it is paid better. Computer programmers are paid better than graphic designers and school teachers. And all three of those professions require similar amounts of education. Janitors and building cleaners are paid better than maids and housekeepers. And, you know, speaking about the pandemic, so we were heading into this with inequities. When schools closed and kids had to be taught at home, women bore the brunt of making room for this in their schedules, which obviously would then cut into career and business development. And and I want is you made a point about um, gender role expectations and women taking these things on. And that is what I said. But I want to add to this, too. It's not just that we feel like we have to play these roles or that some people are expected to play these roles more than others, which is all true. But we tend to take over these roles a bit, too. So I will speak for myself here. When schools closed, not just when schools close, I am the one in our household and we have a very egalitarian, you know, sort of expectations in the household, but we do, my husband and I default to these gender roles. I took over the organizing of virtual school. I was home. My husband can't work from home. He's in manufacturing. That doesn't come home with you. I do. I was here. He helped. He would leave work early lost pay to be able to come home and help with these things. But I ran it, you know, I managed the academics and I managed even without COVID, you know, the doctor's appointments and those things. Is he capable? Yes. If I wasn't here, would the kids get medical care and go to school? Yes. I, it just feels like I have to be in, in, in that, you know, so it's not because I feel like it's my responsibility. It's because I don't know why (laughs) it's, it's because I'm the mom and I feel like I just, I can't let it not be in my control. I don't know. But so, but the, but this is also, you know, these are generational, it's expectations, it's culture, it's ingrained. So, but yeah, I mean, to go back to the pandemic, yes. I mean, women were hit harder for a lot of these reasons. Um, and they work overwhelmingly in hospitality more than men do. Right. So they couldn't go back to work <laughs> in a lot of ways, you know, cause they, they were closed and couldn't be there. I came across uh, your role in studying women's entrepreneurship with a you know recent special issue that you edited in small business economics focused on women's entrepreneurship. 
And I guess with that, you know, focus on scholarship in mind and the idea that the pandemic is happening, just happened this last year, is there research you're hoping to see come out in the next year that you think will really inform the questions about what were those impacts and how were the existing inequities exacerbated over the last year? What are you hoping to see come out of that community of scholars focused on those issues? Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. So what research would I be interested in reading post-pandemic? I think it's going to take longer than a year because research is slow. Publication process is slow to revise and resubmit. But I would love to see research on pay inequity at a structural level with like the examples I just provided. What would it take to pay daycare teachers as one example? on parity with other professions in a male-dominated sphere, right? I mean, just pay them more, right? Well, doing so outright would raise the cost of childcare, which is already exorbitant and therefore a reason why women leave the workforce because it is just cheaper to be a stay-at-home mom in many respects than to work and pay for childcare, especially if you have multiple children. <laughs> so. I would love to see research on overcoming the structural biases like those or in venture development space that make it harder for women to start and grow businesses. We know these things exist, at least in the academic world, these biases and these structural, you know, sort of inequities that I've talked about. But overcoming them and breaking them down is still a big question mark. We have ideas, but we need far more research especially globally, because the limitations are far different in other parts of the world, and yet strikingly similar in a lot of ways. But these are, I think we're kind of, I don't know, I wonder, I'm thinking about this right now, are we at this sort of inflection point where we understand all of this, and now the next level is, what do we do about it? And we know we can do these things, and these things, these little things, but like really moving the needle and moving forward, I think is an opportunity for a lot more research. Um, I think the pandemic has highlighted a lot of this stuff, but I would love to see a lot more research being done and being highlighted for how to, what do we do about it? <laughs> you know, how do we do these things? And thinking about in the classroom, I mean, you teach business classes at the University of Delaware. and what do you think business students, male and female, need to know about uh, women's entrepreneurship and this topic, both in the U.S. and in international context to kind of be successful in their careers? What do you hope that they get out of a uh, classroom experience with you on this topic? Our, our business students, not just business students, our, our students, you know, so our entrepreneurship center at UD is very multidisciplinary. So but our male and female students, women's entrepreneurship. So I think as a society, we will never overcome the challenges that I've mentioned today if we don't incorporate it into our education system. Full stop. Education is a fundamental key to growth and advancement. So you mentioned allyship. I mentioned structural changes and biases and other things. None of that will change if we don't teach it. If we don't, you know, teach our students and help our students grow. 
from an international perspective, because I teach a lot of international and global mindset development, without international exposure, our students, all of us more broadly, won't develop a global mindset. We won't be able to fully appreciate our own worlds and the challenges within them. We won't be able to be good global citizens and so on. As a professor, as an instructor, there is a little that is more rewarding to me as a professor than witnessing the light bulb moments that our students experience when they realize something they never understood before or now see the world differently and their lives in it differently. I love it when students say things like, I never realized before, blah, or I came into this class thinking this. And now I, you know, I, I love that. That's that to me is the reward for all of it. And that's what college is about. And some of these light bulb moments are forgettable, but I believe that they are still there in the recesses of our brains. I think of college and graduate school a lot like a filing cabinet in our brains where there are folders and subfolders. And somewhere in our brains, we recall that information, sometimes without even realizing it. And sometimes it's in a conversation with somebody, something will come to mind that we didn't even realize we understood or knew before. It's there. And exposing our students to international issues and people's lives in other parts of the world can be foundational for the humans that they grow to be when they leave us, when they move on. And, and that, that to me is the impact that we make as educators. It's, it's the whole point. <laughs> and so we've talked about a lot of big challenges here, a lot of generational challenges, as you said, that, you know, have just been with us for a long time and manifest themselves in the U.S. just as they do uh, internationally, just in different ways sometimes. But I mean, turning the page a little bit to like opportunities or success stories. Can you point to things locally or in the U.S. context to give you kind of some hope that we're making progress on better enabling women's engagement in entrepreneurship? Yes, of course. I would be miserable if I didn't think we were making progress. <laughs> That's good. I can identify Let's not some, end on a miserable <laughs> promising opportunities. Yeah. I mean, overall, I'm excited that these conversations are being had and these questions are being asked. I'm excited that entrepreneurship centers and universities like ours here at UD are actively doing more to welcome female students into their programs and boost their entrepreneurial activity. I'm excited that the Women's Leadership Initiative that I helped co-found has traction now and is making an impact across the university and hopefully long-term in the lives of our stakeholders, including our students. I've said for years that as women in entrepreneurship and leadership becomes more institutionalized, in other words, it's more commonplace and not the exception to the norm, it will be easier and easier for future generations. When it's not weird <laughs> to see women doing things, when it's normal, it becomes easier. And our students are often shocked when they learn of inequities for the first time, which 
in a way I love because while it's our job to educate them and prepare them, the fact that they don't see it or are shocked by it means that they're coming into the world more open-minded with an egalitarian mindset. So these long-time challenges, I hope, will be easier to break down. And from an economic development perspective, as more women are involved in business development and growth and leadership, we all benefit. They start more businesses. They grow bigger businesses. They invent things and create things that we didn't have before. But it, it, it's, a, it's a process and it takes time. And without conversations like this one, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's a movement, an ongoing movement. Well, I want to thank you, Mandy, for joining me today and having this conversation and, you know, letting me in on what some of this movement looks like and has looked like and could look like in the future. So thanks again for taking time with me. I'm thrilled. Thank you for your interest. This episode was presented as part of the ongoing Delaware Founders Stories series, a collection of conversations focused on the journeys of underrepresented and underestimated entrepreneurs. To learn more about Dr. Blue's work, Consult her faculty profile and the Women's Leadership Initiative site at learner.udel.edu. For more information on the Institute for Public Administration, visit ipa.udel.edu. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of First State Insights. Reach out with comments and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. I hope you'll join us again soon. 